Hi, I'm Amana. And I'm Mawinia. And you are listening to The Elephants in the Room. Hello and welcome to our third episode. We're really happy to have you tuning in. Today we're going to be talking about jobs and wise women once said, I don't like jobs, girl, I am the job. If you don't like it, take a hike, pay me for it, and I'll let you lot finish off the lyrics. But yes, this is a serious topic that we're going to speak about. There's a crisis going on between 16 to 24-year-olds as they are facing the current job market in a pandemic and a recession. But before we get into that, how are you doing, Aman, and how has your week been? Yeah, I'm good. Currently in a very snowy Durham. I say snowy, it's actually just more like icy now. So I'm kind of at that stage where every day I'm leaving the house feeling like I'm fearing for my life. Um, <laughs> and I've had to start wearing these like ugly sketcher shoes because they're the only shoes I have that are properly grippy. I'm like throwing it back to when I was sort of like nine years old. To be honest, I didn't even own sketches then. Like, I don't want to be rude about my old self. Like I never was that person. But here I am wearing my sketches just so that I don't fall over. And tried going on a run this morning and it was just, it was quite a scary experience actually. But yeah, it looks pretty. At least that's something. I'm just not really used to the snow because being from London, I just, we just right. don't really get snow. It never really settles. Yeah. And now that I'm not in at the age where, you know, you, you get to miss school for the snow, like there's just no perks to it. I feel you. <laughs> but how are you doing? How's your week been? I feel like my week should be called my week on Hinge because yes, I did it in the middle of a pandemic. I signed up for Hinge. <laughs> and that's because one of my friend's friends got into my head and was basically like to me, how could you say no to love? Like, how are you putting a stop on love? So I was like, okay, you know, the inner Disney child in me was like, yeah, how am I saying no to love? So I signed up for Hinge and <laughs> honestly, it's another podcast episode of what dating is like in this pandemic. Because truly, yeah, what can anyone offer me? Do you know what I mean? Like, what can you offer me but a walk in the park at minus one? Like, is that what dating's going to be like in this, <laughs> in, our, in our lifetime? Is this yeah, my 20s? Walk where you slip over and break your ankle, to be honest. <laughs> in this very romantic, very romantic. But yeah, definitely another podcast episode. Let us know if you'd like to hear about what it's like to date in the pandemic. To our favourite segment, we want to talk about what we've eaten this week. So, Amana, what was your dish of the week? Okay, so this week we are taking a turn into the world of meat because obviously wow. you know that in, when you look scared, you know that I was trying to do vegetarian January. To be honest, I didn't even properly do that because I was doing pescatarian, like I was eating fish. And then January ended and I was about to submit an essay and I was like, you know what? Iceland is calling me. One of my favourite things in Iceland is the duck spring rolls they are so good literally bang them in the oven they get crispy and they're just like they've got this like gooey nice sweet filling and it's just they're so nice and they're just so easy to make it's one pound for ten so it's a bargain and I mean to be honest that is kind of worrying like why is it that cheap but at the same time it tastes so good and so yeah it's quite a nice like you know return back into the world of eating meat I don't I can't say that I'm going to be eating loads all the time because I'm still like enjoying cutting back but it was quite nice to you know have a little spring roll I just love them and they just remind me of being younger at kids parties and stuff just so good what was your dish of the week this week I feel sorry for all our maybe like vegetarian or vegan listeners who was literally maybe listening to you for the new meal preps (laughs) but (laughs) 
my dish of the week is a meat dish (laughs) my dish of the week it is a meat dish it is a double cheeseburger I sound so basic but I was craving burgers this week and they are so easy to make from scratch you just buy a burger I do I do. I bought minced meat. I seasoned it basic with salt, pepper, all-purpose, paprika, chili. And a key step is to add egg into the mixture. This helps bind the meat together. And then, literally, you just put them in the frying pan and you can let them sear for 10 minutes. Or if you're a cannonball, you can let them go for two, three minutes for a raw burger. Not really about that life. for like a medium to well-done burger. And, yeah. Oh, and another thing that I did was I made caramelised onions so beautiful literally so beautiful you just let them cook for 20 to 30 minutes add some water and literally like oh just the best flavors the best flavors come out it's worth doing it properly you know my housemate's been doing this thing where he it's called like smash burgers where instead of the burger being cooked as a whole thing you crush it on the pan it just like cooks slightly differently but it looks really good uh it sounds I don't know interesting if that made any sense. <laughs> i'll have to ask him i'll have to ask him <laughs> it sounds interesting anyway maybe this is a good time to move on to our next section more you do you have a conspiracy theory for us this week what is it i do this conspiracy took place in the summer of 2020 and i think summer of 2020 was just the maddest time in the year for everyone i think we will all literally believe in anything from 5g to anything but this one is important this one was the wayfair conspiracy theory now wayfair is an american e-commerce company that sells furnitures and home goods and on july the 10th the company became a subject of conspiracy theory in the cute anon community and basically linking the business to sex trafficking And this was because they were selling products that was 10,000 to 20,000 pounds. And many of those products had girls' names who were on the missing list. So you would have a wardrobe called Emily and you'll see that Emily is on the missing list. So this led people Uh, to believe that the company Wayfair, right, was actually a front for sex trafficking. And were actually, when people are placing orders, they were actually placing orders for children. Now, I actually believe this. I believed it for a good few minutes. And I think because of the Pizzagate conspiracy theory with Hillary Clinton, I think all of our minds have just been prone to believing that something dodgy is going on in the world. So many people were attacking the website on Twitter about it. And I saw screenshots as well of the missing children's name and the company product. What did you think about it, Mana? Did you ever hear it? What was your feelings when you heard about it? I did I did hear about it. The thing is, right, like if it was real, if these were real people, why would you make it? I don't know, it adds like a psycho element to be naming the right. wardrobe, you know, doing it in such a like weird way. Surely just, if you're running a sex trafficking organisation, mm-hmm. surely you're not, you're going to be covering all tracks you're not going to be leaving breadcrumbs for people to it's it is a classic conspiracy theory in that it kind of makes it so much more like theatrical than it actually would be in real life the reality of this kind of thing Mm -hmm. is it's not going to be someone being like oh i'm going to leave clues for someone to try and find out what's been going on so i think it's not it's a no from me to be honest at the same time i think you can see how people get these ideas because like you know there's movies about this kind of thing and stuff right right the other thing is when i see these conspiracy theories the evidence people use is they will literally put something on twitter and be like screenshot screenshot and then it'll be like mic drop as if oh yeah the wardrobe's <laughs> called emma and there's a girl called emma who's missing but also like at the same time i will see stuff on twitter and just be like yeah that's true 
because it's on Twitter. To be fair, the company Wayfair didn't do much to defend itself. It said that the names that they had for their products was generated by an algorithm and their high prices, like selling wardrobes for £10,000, was because of a glitch in a computer system. So it was like their response to the conspiracy theory, I don't think was enough to be like, you lot are not doing what you're doing. However, it was brought to light and you had some people who were said to be the missing children coming forward and saying, I'm not missing, I'm very much alive. I am here. in my hometown. Exactly. I stand. Yeah, that's it's weird that they. I'm just distracted by the fact that they have algorithms to name their furniture. Surely, right. like they have a marketing department. Going to be, they can't be making that many that they need to use algorithms to name the products. That's what. That's, that's what they that said. That's what they said. Yeah. Maybe there's something dodgy going on. It's just not that. Yeah, <laughs> I think the important thing that did come out because you did have key figures speaking out about this from the police department of Operation Underground Rail and a former special agent for the Department of Homeland Security. And they said, whilst it's good, it's being brought to light that human trafficking does take place and that sometimes children and women are sold that way on websites and social media platforms. It might not be Wayfair that actually committing the crime that everyone's pointing them that they are doing. So I think it was a good reality that for a lot of people that human trafficking does still take place and the way that it's being taken place in a lockdown world and in a COVID world is more subvert than we realise. Yeah. I thought it was a good one to make you think. Yeah, I think so, and it's good to yeah. We can laugh about these conspiracy theories. There's like obviously serious undertones to something. Right. Yeah. The elephant in the room this week is jobs, specifically finding a job in a global pandemic in a recession as a 16 to 24 year old. That's quite a mouthful because it's a pretty big task. So this year, many of our friends, and us included, Mourinho last year, me this year, are graduating into a dire economic situation with the country in its worst recession since the 1920s and unemployment at record heights. Research by UK-based graduate jobs website Milkround shows just 18% of graduates are securing jobs this year compared to the typical 60%. And also, there's been a reduction in salaries by approximately 10% across all roles leading to a wage depression that is likely to last as long as the economy struggles. So Amana, how has the pandemic, COVID, the recession impacted you, someone that is graduating into a pandemic and a dire job market? Well, I feel like I hear a lot of kind of scary stories. I'm aware that the situation is really bad, like not just for us, it's really bad for anyone who's trying to find a job at the moment. And even people who are in jobs, loads of people being made redundant, people going on furlough, and then as that's kind of being phased out, being made redundant. So it seems to be tricky for everyone. I heard a story about a woman who runs a shop, they sell like candles and cards and things like that. And she put a job offer out for a part-time job. And it's just 16 hours a week. And she usually you'd expect like 40 applications. But in a fortnight, she had over 600 applications. And many of the mm-hmm. people were like overqualified with PhDs. Some of them were living over 30 miles away. And so I think that's a good example of like the kind of market that we're graduating into. So it does fill, fill me with kind of like slight anxiety. But then personally, from my like, experience of this year, the main thing that comes to mind was obviously I was on my year abroad and I was in Paris eh, from January. I had a really good internship the first time, like really enjoying it three months. And then I was meant to have another internship, which I worked really hard to get. 
and then didn't get to do because of the pandemic which is just Mm -hmm. like really disappointing when I'd worked hard I'd never got a job in a big corporate company like that before and so it was just so disappointing and also massively not great for my language either so I'm worried specifically with in terms of working abroad about like what COVID's going to have the impact that's going to have long term on people being able to work abroad and move around quite easily that combined with Brexit and the Erasmus being scrapped is kind of scary and then another kind of area of work I'm thinking of going to is in the arts and that's also been a sector which has been so affected by the pandemic yeah but what about you how have you found it I think after graduation so I graduated this year and I think I found out my results in June July and there's this amazing high there's yes I've worked so hard I've achieved this Mm -hmm. but then after there is this extreme free fall if you haven't got a master set up or you haven't got a graduate job set up and you're just entering into the market it's such a scary place and I remember but like June, July, I was so happy, so happy with my grades. And then it came to finding a job and it was so difficult. It took me six months to find mm. the job that I'm in now. And I'm so grateful, but I know people who are still looking for jobs, do you know? I know people who've done law, who, who are looking for training contracts, who have done like engineering yeah. and struggling to find placements. And I just think that what we've entered into is so scary. And I don't think there's been support, at least from my university when I graduated. I felt yeah. like I was kind of thrown out to the walls and just left left to scrap and fend for myself really yeah, it feels like no one's talking about it properly literally either. it feels like no one's talking about the fact that people are graduating to a job market where we've gone from 60 percent of people securing jobs to 18 percent like mm. this figure is staggering and when I think about what it's like to look for a job continually I was reading about it this weekend. Unemployment depression is so real. And I think I definitely went through stages of it where, you know, you set yourself a routine or whatever. You wake up and you're applying for jobs and you can be applying from three to up to, I don't know, Mm. 20 jobs a day. And literally just having to keep getting rejection emails again and again and again and again. It's so demotivating. It's so demoralizing. And I think no one is seeing that a generation of recent graduates are being lost and are not Mm. being able to secure jobs not being able to start the future that they've been promised since I don't know primary school and just everything that you thought could happen everything that you'd planned for you'd hoped for the rug has just been pulled out under us yeah I think so and I think it's not helpful that we've our society set up these expectations where basically your job is everything who you are mm-hmm. and you know like when you meet someone for the first time at, I don't know like at a social event when you're at school maybe if you're in London it's like what school are you at or like, where yeah. do you live and then as you get older it's what do you do and even the phrase like what do you do it just shows like right your identity is like, tied to you, work yeah, exactly I feel to quote in Mrs Doubtfire I don't know if you've ever seen that film you know like when there's no. when he's applying <laughs> applying to the nanny jobs and he comes like as loads of different personas and then there's one where he just turns up and he's just like I am job and it's like he's literally just the job that is okay I mean I just love that film like I just want to shoehorn it in but (laughs) (laughs) no but honestly I think there's this expectations been set up loads of people felt so much pressure to go to uni in the first place we've spent spent Mm -hmm. thousands of pounds on it and now we're entering a market where there's so little options and I was reading about how a lot of people who intend to go traveling after uni Mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. people who haven't done a gap year or anything and if you've now all of those people are are thinking traveling is not really an option I'm gonna look for a job and so then there's so much pressure on the few jobs that existed before anyway and I think particularly in the arts it's it's really bad I was reading figures on office for national statistics 
which shows that job opportunities in the arts fell faster in May, June and July than in any other sector in the UK, with advertised roles disappearing by 87% compared to the same period last year. So the, wow. the decline was... Wow. There was 3,000 vacancies available in that period of May, June, July, down mm-hmm. from 23,000 at the same time last year. So That is crazy. It's like they're just disappearing into the net, these jobs. Right. And imagine if you spent like three years, four years studying music at university, or you mm. studied, I don't know, English lit, and you're planning to go into these industries like publishing, or just those options. I just worry for all those people who wanted to get into the creative field are now having to look at fields that might not hold their interest, but mm. are perceived as permanent now, or mm. like not bulletproof towards the pandemic because I think a lot of people who might have said okay do you know what I'm going to try and make it as a musician I'm going to take a year off and tour or I'm going to try and make it as an artist or whatever I feel like they're not going to consider those things anymore I think you're going to have more people flooding towards traditional roles which is sad because the arts are such a huge big part of our society and who we are and develops us so it's so sad that that would be lost do you feel like the pandemic has changed your job prospects Amana or like where you want to go yeah definitely because as you were speaking I was thinking about how when you said like someone taking a year out to do music or whatever for me that would be like taking a year out to do something in journalism so things like doing this podcast I love doing but the prospect of trying to do like odd jobs or runner jobs and things like that so hard in a pandemic because there's so many cuts in those areas obviously tv shows will always need runners but there's loads of little odd jobs or research jobs where like small think tanks or something who might be able to have previously been able to pay someone to do an internship or something small will now be cut those will be the first people they're kind of cutting and I think that does yeah it basically makes me feel like okay maybe I should be trying to do something that's a bit more stable next year and just finding a job that I know which is sad because then but yeah it is sad and I think but hopefully I think like you said about the how like arts culture is so important and I think hopefully from the government obviously set up the cultural recovery fund which is like 1.57 billion pounds to help with basically invest in culture because of the pandemic and the effect that's had and I think that does show as much as the government haven't done enough in my opinion and people have criticized Rishi Sunak for telling people to retrain in inverted commas culture is important and it's not just important Mm -hmm. for like oh I like looking at a nice painting underpins our society and we need it true and so I think hopefully through this there's a realization that the arts are really important I just hope that people recognize that you also need to pay for these things Mm -hmm. if you're going to watch national theater online you should be paying for it like you're paying for Netflix you know what I mean right Um, right but like with you so you've actually been in a job now so you got a job and like you've been doing everything on zoom and zoom socials and things like that how have you found that like what do you think about doing all this stuff online do you think zoom social is like a good idea like I personally just find them so so <laughs> I think Zoom socials are needed. I really do. I think because I went straight from university six months of not working, being at home, and then and now I have a job. For me, it doesn't feel mm. much of a difference because you know when you're at university, you're just doing your work at home or you're going to the library. And so I'm still doing something similar where I'm just doing my work at home. And I think Zoom social does give me a way to meet my team, people in the company. If I didn't have Zoom socials, no matter how cringe they are, sometimes. The opportunity to actually make friends in your organisation, the opportunity to actually get to see people wouldn't even be Mm -hmm. there. And I think for people that genuinely do like human connection, it's so important that they happen. The awkward parts, I think, are just Zoom interviews. During those six months when I was applying, Mm -hmm. 
during Zoom interviews, I literally had to prep my family. Okay, I'm about to have an interview, guys. Yeah, it's from 9am. Oh yeah. Please, can we keep the noise down? If you want to argue, <laughs> please, can you take us to the garden or something? Oh like, God. there's so Zoom many interviews. Literally, Zoom interviews are just... Oh, it's just so difficult. And I think it's not fair for people who are maybe come from big families mm. or have like many siblings or don't even have a space to have a proper interview. It's just so tough. And I think the pandemic has highlighted some of the inequalities that exist even in trying to get a job right now. Yeah, for sure. I was listening to something about this and it was talking about how the people who will be the most likely to be like most affected will be young females right. working in restaurants. But then they also spoke about how, yeah, young people early 20s are going to be massively affected and also ethnic minorities and right. and women so essentially it's like you said a lot of these are people who are already experiencing inequality in society right so it's just like yeah. exacerbates it it's the same in education and it's what the pandemic has done is it's made those gaps bigger definitely even with the 16 year olds i was talking to my younger sister and she was like i can't wait to start working and i was like okay so we're gonna go get a job because you know the restaurants aren't open retail shops are not open when i was 16 and 17 those were my jobs that I I did yeah. growing up and that option is just not available for them anymore and it's how are you going to get your work experience how are you going to be able to build and your it's work so formative history? as well it's so important to have those times I think that the pandemic has really transformed like everything that we kind of rely on or expect to happen in right. our lives like we all think we're going to have that first job working in a restaurant or going to have even things with exams I almost worry that our generation are going to be treated as if oh wait you didn't do your exams properly so like it was a bit easier for you yeah or, like you know, uni's giving no detriment is obviously really important. But is there going to be, oh, but you were the COVID year, do you know, like when you're trying to get a job? For sure. Like I was looking at these stats and it says those who graduate into under unemployment are five times more likely to remain stuck in mismatched jobs after five years compared to those who start in a college level job. And it says 10 years later, three quarters of workers who are unemployed if they don't reach that five year mark. And I think this is statistics that they saw from the 2008 recession on how graduating into a recession impacts you for five years, including your salary and the jobs that you're going after. Like you said, you might go for jobs that typically you weren't really thinking about doing, but now you're going to because you need safety, you need security. Some of my friends who are currently working, that's why I think this problem is from 16 to 24 year olds, is that sometimes they want to move jobs, you know what I mean? They want to work for another company or they want a higher salary. And because it's a pandemic, it's almost like you can't really take a risk of going to another job or asking for a higher salary because it's like, you should be grateful to even have a job in a pandemic. I think we might be the stuck generation. I don't want to call us that, but literally who might have to take whatever comes to us because of the way circumstances are. And it's just yeah. so upsetting and frustrating. Yeah, we're almost going to be treated as if like, yeah, you should be great. Take whatever you can get. Yeah, take whatever you can get. And I think that impact has not been just in an economic sense, but in a kind of, we've spoken a bit about like mental health and being right. unemployed is obviously really tough. It will be interesting to see the impact that everything going online will have in the long term. Because yeah. obviously in the short term, it's just been kind of a quick fix to just everything to go on Zoom. But I wonder if companies will start to think it's cheaper for us to do everything online. So we're not going to open our offices again. And I, yeah, I wonder what impact it will have. Do you prefer to, you're obviously working at home now, mm -hmm. would you prefer to continue to work online or would you like to be going into an office? I think personally for me, I do like working at home 
just because I'm just a homebody as a person. I just mm-hmm. like being at home. And I find that not having to go in means that I can go jogging in the mornings. I take breaks throughout the day. Like there's not that pressure on me. At the same time, I understand like talking to my colleagues, how it's for them to see each other in the office, like have that chat, have that communication. For some people, it's literally their form of socializing is where their friends are. And obviously I didn't really have the chance to experience that. So I can't really miss it. However, I do think that flexible working should definitely be a thing of of the future. I think a post-pandemic world where you're able to do maybe some days at home and some days in the office. There's contrary in studies. Some studies shows that productivity has increased and some shows that it hasn't increased working at home. But I think the option should always be made available. That if you want to work at home, you could, especially for parents, young mums. A lot of my friends are young mums. It's helped them a lot actually be at home with their kids and see them off and everything like that, comparison to having to leave them before they go. Yeah, there's good aspects to it, definitely. But then, like, that being said, I think there's a lot of people, like a third of Brits, according to Nuffield Health, have said that working from home has placed a strain on relationships within their household, with their partners and with their children. Something that I was thinking about earlier was just the fact that when you go into an office, you obviously engage with a diverse workforce. Not every company is diverse but you're you're engaging with different ages to you right mm-hmm. people from different backgrounds and it forces you into like actual practical like a physical same space yeah. as people who are different to you because they're not from your family or they're not the person that you're married to or living with which I think is a really healthy forced interaction that just everything's online zoom is not the same and you might never meet those people it's true. I, just, I don't know I think that's the thing I found so weird about last year when the whole like black lives matter movement really like took off in the summer and it was uh-huh. weird because everyone was like at home you know like no one was actually going out and in the usual situation like people would be going to school people going to work they would actually be having conversations about what happened with their colleagues sometimes it would be like between all different kinds of people and like those conversations were happening either not at all or over zoom instead and I think like but I think but I think being at home led to those conversations happening because I feel like companies had a responsibility to say something because I feel like if we were going about our everyday lives I guess it shed more light on it for sure I feel like they had a responsibility because you saw many companies coming out saying things and I don't think in the pandemic that would have happened I think a lot of them would have stayed silent and not said a word and I think it would have just been awkward smiles at work and so like everything's okay yeah for sure yeah like because I I don't think it's I'm not just talking about it being a racial issue that was Mm. just like a specific example but I just think that I don't know I think there is something important about being in the same space as people who are different to you because I think like both of us are lucky in that because of going to church or like being from the like the school we went to we have got that diverse community like on our doorstep naturally um yeah but I don't think the workplace is the same I live at home with like my family and we're all like you know the same so I think there is something good about having to go into work in a way but I don't know yeah but I think that's from the assumption that workplaces are diverse and they're not like my friend she's like one of the only black people in her whole company that that's crazy to me and so I do feel like working from home reduces the amount of performative behavior that ethnic minorities sometimes have to do or like the way we have to maybe speak or talk or dress like I feel like a lot of that is reduced by working from home so I I get what you mean completely but I do think that a lot of people who feel like they have to put on an act unfortunately for work don't have to do that anymore and I think for them it's a massive relief to work from home I think that's true in the sense that like we spoke about this briefly the other day when we were talking about how obviously like for me it'll be like seminars I'll be doing seminars from my bedroom yeah 
and it's forced me to become more I, I would do a seminar literally have no makeup on just right <laughs> and I don't know it forces you to just be kind of yourself on camera and be comfortable in your own skin in your own home and be honest exactly. also, I, have to, I have to be honest about like oh yeah I can't I'm really sorry like I can't do this call right now because like my family like and you know it makes you otherwise but I think people can like hide their situations or hide their home situations if they're difficult or not I know yeah. I don't have a difficult home life but we just have <laughs> wi-fi and like, I share them with my sister so it's things like that you have to be more open about yeah for sure and I feel like I've gone into work with my like cornrowsing I've gone into work with my natural hair out and I've just looked at them like yes this is professional this is how I look and this is gorgeous mm-hmm. and I think the pandemic has given me a chance just to show people like who I am what I look like without having to feel like I have to perform and I yeah. think that was a great thing because I'm not going to slap on a wig to go on zoom I am <laughs> sorry you are asking for too much <laughs> like you are you're gonna see these cane rolls and you're gonna see them and think they're professional because they are and so that for me working from home has been a benefit but I think if we were to move the conversation onto like what is our three wishes and a star from this whole debacle, what would yours be, Amana? Mm, okay. So actually like I had two in my head, but like they've slightly changed. So I one of mine was like the people will go back to work, that offices will open again. And I do still stand by that. But I think that my I've my mind's been slightly changed about like that always being like a good thing for everyone. Um, yeah. I actually think, like you say, there are really good, there are benefits to people staying at home. But I do think that it's this situation has revealed how much we need other people and how much we need physical interaction. So I hope that people do return to that and that companies aren't just like greedy in the sense that they go, people can manage without it. Um, we're just going to, yeah, because things like, yeah, mental health will be really affected if we just never go back to being in person, I think. Um, and I especially think that for uni because I think unis will take shortcuts after this and not want to do lectures in person and things like that and then other wish for me would be like arts jobs that this pandemic would help reveal how important the arts are and and in a monetary sense as well as like a cultural sense they have a real value in our society so I think we need to invest in them more and people need to be willing themselves personally to be like okay I'm I can't go to this exhibition in person but I'm gonna pay for online because you would pay for Netflix, so pay to go to the table. <laughs> um, or whatever it is. And then I guess my my star, my good thing, is I think it's been good that in some ways like there's been pressure that's been taken off. Like you said, right. people feel more like they can be, perhaps they can be themselves. And I think also people are considering new options. I feel like it's gone one or two ways for my friends. Like some people are really stressed about the job prospects and some people feel like, actually, I feel like I can take a year off now because there's not this pressure to get a job straight away. So maybe there's like opportunities for people to consider new paths. And I know that it's something like one in one in four over 45s are now considering new career paths. And so I think people are thinking having to go online has made people realise that maybe the job they were doing wasn't what they want to do. And so maybe they're considering something new. But I just hope these over 45s do not take our jobs. Because <laughs> we need those. <laughs> but yeah. Um, they can do their career change, but do it in something I don't want to do. Anyway, but yeah, that would be my good thing. I think like it has taken pressure off in some ways. What about mm-hmm. you? I think a star from this situation, and I know we don't praise them enough, but the government has launched a scheme called Kickstart, which is worth £2 billion, and it aims to place 16 to 24-year-olds into job placements, and they pay the company as well as hoping to develop the young people's skills and able to get them back into the job market. Mm -hmm. So I do think like the government has done a good 
thing here. I think it's important to praise the government when they are doing good. And I think yeah. that scheme is very helpful to, first of all, people who, who didn't attend uni, you know, people who were just going to become like working restaurants or become restaurant managers or um, sell and store managers. That's That's a whole career for people. And so I do think that, opportunity will help people who didn't go to uni and hopefully help people who have gone to uni and are still looking for jobs over 500,000 people from 16 to 24 are on furlough and that number is just so sad because of our situation so I do Mm. think what the government is doing is good in that area my two wishes would be that I think I would wish for more flexible working to be made available I think flexible working is so so good and needed one of my best friends told me how she used to find the commute so depressing and mentally Mm. draining and I think just the ability to not have to commute into work especially if you don't even live in London if you live somewhere else but you're having to commute into London the ability to not have to do that anymore I think is a benefit so I wish that flexible working is more readily available and pushed out to people And my last wish from this would be that the the generation, I don't want us to be the stuck generation, you know, I just don't want us to be the people that are forgotten about and just end up in these mismatched jobs. And just for five years, we have like poor economic prospects and poor career prospects. I just don't want that to be our situation. So I do think schemes that the government is doing, I think unis need to offer more support because I felt like my uni just said, find your own way. And I think that you need to offer more support. Unis just get, we just get forgotten. Like, honestly. Do you know, you know, you pay all that money and it seems like they forget that you paid all that money. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be my final wish that unis will offer some better support. We will finish with a couple of recommendations. I don't know if you have any. I listened to the Today in Focus episode on, which is the Guardian podcast on Mm -hmm. like graduating in the pandemic or it's not actually graduating in the pandemic it's talking about jobs the recession um it's actually august so it was a little bit out of date but it was very informative and i would just recommend them generally they're always a good listen and um also i actually wrote an article i wrote an article where it was actually an interview that i did with the head of the tyne and weir archives so that's like the tyne and weir area all of the mm-hmm. archives, which says so like all the galleries and stuff and he um spoke a lot about where things are going to go forward now from now with the arts it, after covid so that was just really interesting talking to him uh, what about you do you have any advice my recommendations would be the financial times is really good read and wall street journal to read about what is happening in the economy and stuff like that my advice would be especially for people who are consistently applying for jobs i know what it's like take a break for a week like literally take a break and allow your mind to rest and do something fun for me that was playing sims again and just rediscovering <laughs> my love of sims like literally take a break i actually if you can <laughs> literally if you can and um, get involved in volunteering like i volunteered from some social projects in my community and was an nhs responder and i literally use that information in my interviews to talk about why I can do well under pressure and in um, dire circumstances so yeah (laughs) volunteer if you can get involved in your local community and just make sure that you're doing okay mentally everyone is going through this like it's literally a tough time but we hope not to be cheesy that we'll make it through that we'll yeah. make it through this it's time the thing is it's is it's give yourself a break and also just stop something think you like you know you will be okay and also right like like you said i think the recommending like helping out the local community and sometimes just like looking outside of your situation is really helpful to Literally. get the perspective because yeah. i think yeah we, we're focusing a lot on ourselves at the moment which mm-hmm. is actually what can drive you crazy 
so literally i think that's a good place to end thank you so much for tuning in we look forward to receiving all your messages please do like ideas for elephant in the room things that you want to see us talk about um so just dm us on instagram and make sure that you follow us on instagram twitter facebook and also on all of our audio platforms so spotify apple music soundcloud and youtube 